Well, 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 hello folks and welcome to We the Peeps. This here is the American Soccer Podcast in which you're going to get to know everything, everything, everything that you need to know about the U.S. Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm Clayton. I'm a musician. I'm Ty. I manage a web design company. And the We Let a Nats. Hells yeah. We're co-South American champions. <laughs> it's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. Folks, the game was USA versus Chile. Are you ready for it? That's how it works, right? If you tie the champion, then you become half the champion. So we're half World Cup champs and half Copa America champs yeah, right now. Yeah, that is how that works, and it turns out that every championship ever and first place finish ever is uh, shared amongst everyone. Six degrees of separation. Yeah, um, by six degrees, yeah. So Congratulations, Tonga! <laughs> <laughs> it also means that nobody went to the world cup <laughs> yeah exactly yes <laughs> folks we got a great show for you today um it's a beautiful it's a beautiful day we have a uh, fun tie to talk about and i'm not talking about my co-host yank yank hey. um but uh before before we dive into all that i definitely want to remind y'all to uh, rate and review us with five stars you've been with us we feel your love we know it's there uh, we just need a uh, resumeable evidence of it. So shoot us a five star review. Trust so that, but verify. <laughs> please, please. Ideally, with a, a check mark next to a celebrity name, that would do a lot for us. Yeah, um, that'd help. Shoot us that, and uh, you may indeed have your review read on the show, uh, live on this air. And by live, I mean uh, recorded earlier. And uh, by recorded earlier, I mean edited heavily. Um, and, it, and, and that could be fun. You can, you can get your voice on the show. Hey, consider, you know, you can write whatever you want in those reviews. Just give us a five star and then you can write straight up gibberish and see how we handle that or, you know, whatever you want to do, dude, Make, have fun. Uh, the other thing is if you like social media, which some of us do, very small minority of us don't. Um, but if you're, if you're a regular human being in 2019, why don't you hang out with us on Twitter at WTP pod. That's at Wilbur Tango pizza pod. Uh, it's really fun. We can, we can talk over the games. You can give us your feedback on the apps, uh, so on and so forth. And, uh, that's how we become friends with you. If you don't like social media, you can just come to my house and I'll entertain you and make you tea. (laughs) Fantastic. The address is beep. (laughs) Great. Be there. Um, and one other thing is, we mentioned this on the last show, we are officially doing She the Peeps. This is going to happen. Oh, uh, I want to learn about the women's national team. Spicy meatball. Spicy meatball. I want to be a fan of a good team. That'd be awesome. Um, and uh, so maybe maybe the men's national team will be that one day, but in <laughs> the meantime... Actual World Cup champs, not fake <laughs> transitive property World Cup champs. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, we have, we have real champions, real life champions. Defending that, that... world champion... U.S. Women's National Team. Kicking off for a couple of uh, exciting friendlies here as I flip through my notes. A couple exciting friendlies versus Australia and Belgium happening next week. So uh, I'm going to screen those and then talk about them with uh, Kwame the Kwamidorius. Uh, oh, my God. Get it, the, the Celsius Chills. is rising here. So it's, it's going to be tight. Um, shall we dive into a little starting lineup? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, both gloves. Isha boy. Ethan Horvath, the apparent, I would say, second choice uh, here, ahead of Sean Johnson and, and behind Zach Steffen. 
Center backs. Sure. <laughs> Ty, what do uh question? What do Tim Ream, uh Giassi Zardes, Paul Ariola, and Christian Polisic all have in common? <sighs> Smoldering gazes. They are locked in starters. They are locked in starters, absolutely. Are, that, First that's, choice. That's our overlap. So it, so in front of Ethan Horvath, our center backs are going to be the other Franco, Matt Miazga. And he's back. Your boy is back again. Never thought it would happen, but don't count him out. Omar Galaxy. Omar Galaxy. He's <laughs> never not playing. Not playing. He's never not playing. <laughs> Get it. Uh, we have Tim Ream, former captain, and then another random-ass armband scenario with DeAndre Yedlin at right back. Precisely what Ty asked not to happen. <laughs> yeah. <He> is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in the center midfield, we're going to have Michael Bradley uh, in there with the start at the six. And then as our tens, Christian Roldan, Christian Roldan and Christian Pulisic, the Christians. Uh, watch out. How did I not notice that? Holy crap. Christian and Christian. Christian on yeah. Christian. It's Christian Mingle out there. Uh, we got, we got, <laughs> Hashtag Christian Mingle. We're going to have left wing. Hashtag leave room for Jesus. <laughs> left wing Corey Baird. We'll see how their communication and skills are out there. Left wing Corey Baird. Uh, up front, the nine, your, your, your boy rising star of 2015, the traffic cone Giassi Zardes. And of course, all hoping for a nip slip with Paul Ariola. Check. Check, check. It's your boy, Swami Jurgen. It has come to our attention that a mistake has been made. It was, of course, Corey Baird who slotted in at the right wing position and not as Clayton said, the left. For the sake of clarity, it was Polyariola Nips who played left wing. Peace out. From Swami Jurgen, a.k.a. Ben Fave Wise Guy. Guys, this game uh, got off to a, a scintillating start. Um, generally speaking, the game was tight. It was tactical, and it was apparently kind of fun. So fun, yeah. Everyone was was having a great time. I out guess. There. <laughs> I guess I didn't. The thought did not occur to me. But uh, in a post game interview, Michael Bradley did say multiple times how fun that was. So maybe he's just enjoying the uh, enjoying the As playing did GB time. At, at halftime. Um. So we've got two goals to speak of, and they both happened early. In the third minute, uh, Giassi Zardes from, uh, from an Ethan Horvath clearance has a little two-touch uh, action to free Polisic. And as I've said before, Polisic in Jamie Vardy style, breaks free and chips this one over the keeper. Glorious. I love it. That touch is what Polisic does best. In the eighth minute, though... Uh, Chile would come right back with one. Opalzo, I believe, uh, scores yeah, a, yeah, at the yeah. at the far post in a after a very Vidal centric uh, maelstrom of mayhem that occurred in the in the around the U.S.'s D, uh, the D on the box. I mean, um, somehow it pops out <laughs> the box of the field. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> Tim Reams at the D on the box. Fuck. Uh, tucking in behind. Uh, the, the, <laughs> so the, the, that was Lots kind of, of pressure. <laughs> that was the, that was how this game got going. And it looked like it'd be a, a real firecracker, but it kind of turned into Chile's game for the next, uh, 
for for the next you know for the end of the first half and the beginning of the second. Uh, sadly, in the thirty fourth minute, Pulisic would come off injured for Sebastian Legette. No one likes to see that. Hopefully, precautionary. Uh, we'll find Except out for Sebastian Legette, <laughs> who loves to see that. He's, he, yeah, he saw he saw his beard trimmer barber this morning, just in case, just and it paid off. JIC, yeah. Um, in the we we kind of then see some switches. What we saw near the end of this game was uh, Greg Berhalter uh, finding a way to even the, the, the tables a little bit. Chile was looking strong. Then we saw some subs. So Corey Baird comes out for Daniel Lovitz. What that does is um, create a three in the back with two wing backs. Uh, and that puts that leaves Bradley um, a little bit more free to try to distribute, uh, etc. And then another tactical change in which Areola comes off for traps. So we got the peanut butter and peanut butter sandwich, double pivot happening in front of a three back with wing backs. And all of a sudden, the U.S. found their way back into this game. Gotta say, it worked. We'd also get to see uh, Jordan Morris come in for Giassi Zardes and Jonathan Lewis come in for Christian Roldan at which position? Nobody knows. Not even Jonathan Lewis. Uh, he was just out there doing stuff. He's, he was out. Yeah, the messy role. <laughs> it was like, at this point, it was very hard to tell for, I think, anyone what, what exactly was going on. And no one really scored. So uh, we finished this one out 1-1. One, one. Um, as we said, it apparently was fun for everyone. Ty, what were your first impressions? I was a little distraught at the changes in in system, apparent system that that we saw with the Yedlin being at right back, as you said, and it was pretty much a flat four back, yeah, uh, most of the time, pretty traditional setup. Um, I was encouraged by some of the movement, some of the insistence on playing out of the back, which we kept doing and kept doing and kept doing, even though the team was screwing up and and a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of times the players started to freak out and did start to punt the ball out of, out of bounds, but they kept kind of uh, keeping at it, um, and I appreciated that. I'm totally fine with them giving up goals with playing out of the back. Uh, the point of a friendly is to work on the things you're not good at, not to just continue to do all the things you're already good at so that you can look better on the score sheet at the end of the friendly. The, this is exactly why we're doing this, to train ourselves for competitive situations when we want to play this way. Um, But my highlight of the match was actually at halftime when two things happened in regard to Greg Berhalter. One was a pre-taped segment with Taylor Twalman in which he's analyzing tape of the Ecuador match. Not sure if you caught this, Clayton. I did not. I I watched Um, a replay and I skipped the halftime stuff. So tell me about it. This was him and and Twalman in a, a poorly lit, no bad audio room. Fantastic. Watching tape on a laptop. Uh, and GB's um, analysis was so good and crisp and sound and innovative. I, I, was, I was really thrilled because it felt like the kind of top-level uh, strategic thinking that we need. The, the main takeaway that he was driving home in this particular segment was in offensive crossing situations that... The biggest problem he saw from the team in the last game was that our the positioning of the fullbacks and defensive midfielders wasn't tight enough. <laughs> so, and he demonstrated this on screen by showing the the particular play you might recall from the Ecuador match, where Ecuador um, they countered from a it was a cross from from our left, and uh, uh, Adams was was posted up high. He was in the box, and then Ecuador countered on Adams' side, and um, 
uh, I think it was Brooks made made a really great, or it was uh, Aaron Long. Aaron Long chased it down and made a really good, uh, you know, uh, put a, put a good defensive effort in, and then um, Weston came like eighty five yards and and stole the ball. Um, so he's analyzing that play, and he's he's talking about in an offensive situation where the ball is nowhere near these players. He's he's saying that the biggest thing that he was talking to the team about was that their positioning in that scenario, and. I, I adored that. It made complete sense. He showed another situation in which we did it well, and it led to a turnover. And it was an aspect of the game that I didn't see on first glance, and I was heartened by the fact that there are things that the coach is noticing Absolutely, <laughs> that people yeah. at home are not. And then he, he followed that up by, uh, according to uh, Seba, coming out of halftime, his halftime team talk to, in this game was about the strikers pressing better, so he thought that was our biggest defensive problem was that the strikers weren't pressing hard enough, um, and quicker restarts. It's it's and I was like, wow, the times have changed. It used to be like ripping phone books up and talking about you know expressing yourself in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a lot of like yeah. chest pounding and you know yeah, and yeah. like slaps on the ass and things like that. And like that that seems like a, a thing of the past. Now we have a guy who's like he's a he's a nerd. He's a soccer nerd, and he's. I think injecting ideas into this team that have been sorely missing. And I think you see a lot of the, the, the results already kind of coming to fruition with the way that this team was able to play at times against a really good opponent. Yeah. It's cool to see. It's nice to know that he's got, he has kind of like a practical nerdy analytical approach, especially coming from a former player. Um, I think that's a little bit, you, you, you're not guaranteed that coming from a former player. Yeah, the other sure. thing that, is crucial in that is the openness, you know, the willingness to do that segment, to totally. share these things, to share this information with Sebi Salazar. Um, and that's new for us too. By the way, Sebi Salazar, great game, buddy. Um, he had, yeah, my, he had a my, solid game. Yeah. My highlight of his performance was when he requested to join the conversation um, about yeah. who spoke in the press conference after the Trinidad debacle and then immediately shot it back to them saying there's a breakaway, which never yeah. happened. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right, awesome. right, right. But he was yeah. he was on it. He was clearly paying attention and and did a solid job. Pro. Um so it's cool. I feel like although there are differences between the way uh we see the game or maybe you see the the game, you know, such as Yedlin being moved around to now three positions in two games. Um there are differences in the, in the way we might do things, but there is a sense that this team is turning a corner and there is a sense of uh direction and purpose to what Burhalter is doing. And I, and I really appreciate that. Bradley saw this game as an absolute positive. Uh, do you see it that way? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's very easy to have that conclusion early on in the cycle. You know, this isn't the normal part of the cycle where we start to really complain. Uh, and then, and you know, I think often, of course, there's a lot of hyperbolic complaining in, in U S soccer fan circles, but I think it's, it is often justified after things do get stale and they do inevitably get stale. But for, for where we're at in a cycle, I mean, I'm, I'm heartened by what we've seen so far. We've had four games, we've had, uh, some head scratching decisions, but it's all been in the context of these friendlies where you don't really know what's going on with the clubs and all those things. So going into gold cup, I feel, I feel confident and, satisfied that we have a direction it seems like we're working on a, a style and a methodology of play that is consistent enough um my thought was that perhaps uh Berhalter identifies the issues with system a that we had pointed out immediately and that the you know commentators in the last game were pointing out that 
if you're playing against a fast break team, you don't necessarily want to destabilize yourselves by uh, doing the whole like uh, Nick Lima role. Switchy, and switchy. So, so maybe this was the thought all the, uh, all along was that we do that most of the time, especially when we expect to be in possession, and that helps us break down teams. But when we expect to be on the back foot, uh, that we revert to a more traditional four back, which unlocks uh, Yedlin to you know continue being an offensive threat, but also be great at snuffing out uh, you know problems when the when the center backs get beat. You know he's a great recovery player because of his speed, and he can cover a lot of and, uh, and because of cover his, up a lot of problems. Yeah, and because of all his initial mistakes, he's be, he's developed yeah right. He's a, a great recovery, recovery player. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a good point, and what what it kind of. What's interesting to me about that is that they are always going to look the same on the lineup sheet. It's always going to be, you know, teams, they, they can always announce the same lineup, but they can mm-hmm. come into the game with a few different looks. Yeah. Um, and sure. that's effective. You can, you can adjust. It's a, it's a versatile but still stable and consistent approach. It's kind of a manifold approach that can apply to many different game situations. And if the yeah. players have a solid understanding of those different situations and what's asked of them in those situations, such as right. the right. three-back with wing-backs, it can really work well. I, I take issue with the three-back with wing-backs thing because I feel like that's just a, a step too far in an already complicated equation. Where, you know, Maybe it's doable in a club situation to have like that many sort of baseline shapes, but I think the two is probably a good place to stop. You know, we have we have a, a, a 4-3-3 where the the fullback tucks in and that leads to certain, you know, benefits and drawbacks. And then we have a more standard 4-3-3 that we use in, in you know, tougher games that's a little bit more deep-lying. Um, I think that's totally fine. I did see some some commonalities uh, between the system we played against Chile and the, the system we played against Ecuador and then the two friendlies prior. Uh, we continued to play out of the back, as I mentioned. I'm a huge fan of that. I want us to almost never uh, lump the ball long because it just doesn't work all that much. Um, even Taylor Twelman started to break down after a couple uh, rough uh, uh, attempts. That was at a funny generational moment. He was like, just yeah, hit absolutely. it, just hit yeah, it. And yeah, that was absolutely. what the team used to do, and we're just not about that yep. anymore. Yep, but you, I mean, you saw generationally, you know, you saw Omar do it. You saw... Um, and you saw, uh, you know, Taylor simultaneously, it's like they're, they're kind of of a certain mindset, but I think that, um, you know, Miazga, Horvath, those kind of players can be, uh, sufficiently, you know, re reprogrammed at this stage, especially having been in Europe for so long to just, to just keep going at it. And as I said, I don't care if there are mistakes at this point, you know, maybe we have to abandon the idea if it's not working by the time gold cup comes around, but this is the way that you learn. Uh, and you know Tim Ream, I, I I guess there's nothing else you can do other than than keep giving him chances to to improve at at that skill, which he really ought to be great at uh, with his passing range. But for some reason, psychologically, he hasn't put it together. So it's it's also a very you know that idea is kind of anathema to the championship uh, as well. Though you know in recent times the championship's been more modern, but like the championship's the kind of league where they're all yelling at you to lump it out of bounds too. So. Maybe Reem, even though he's a great passer going forward, still freaks out passing backwards for whatever reason. Um, yeah, but he just, had that. He had that one pass in particular that just uh, it was you know, he's, ten yards short. Yeah, yeah. And as Twelman noted, he does something every game. So he's yeah, got one yeah. of those a game, and it you it's, you just hope you get through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so we saw that, and I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, we also saw a continued attempt to play uh, 
15, 20 yard balls on the ground, either from defense or from the, the low midfield block, uh, which was usually just Bradley up to the tens, uh, the Christians, which I, which I really liked. Christian and we also saw after <laughs> Christian mingle, I by <laughs> quick side note. We also didn't get Christian Ramirez, which would be the Christian triangle. Oh my God. Out there. That'd be so dope. <laughs> oh my God. Do we have any other Christians around? We gotta, we gotta research this. Got to research this. I'm sorry, Zardes. Uh, I'm up sorry. Transfer market. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Giassi. Your first name is too unique. Uh, we I know. Can't, I know. We can't bring bummer. you on the roster yeah. anymore because we can't um, create funny name triangles with you. And there was one other neat tactical thing uh, from the first couple games that carried over, which was the cycling between the wide attackers and the tens. Uh-huh. So the wide attackers were Ariola and Baird. But Roldan and Polisic ended up being wide attackers much of the time as well because they, it, I don't exactly know what the trigger is for this. I can't really tell, uh, but they periodically just swap, um, and so that's that's amazing, particularly with uh, with Polisic because it gives him the the you know room to roam and it it makes it really hard for the opposition to keep track of where he is, um, and it's a nice sort of orderly uh, like adjustment that can be done very quickly that destabilizes the defense but where both players know what they're doing you know so it's not it's not arbitrary it's just that every you know five minutes or every every three attacks Polisic plays wide and it was Ariola was playing centrally um and I think that that worked really well it led to that that one chance that you mentioned where um, where Polisic got in the foot race. Oh no, you didn't mention this chance. After the goal, Polisic was in a in a foot race uh, after a through ball on heavy the left. Heavy touch there. That's it. That's um, becoming yeah, a characteristic moment for Polisic. The, the yeah, touch yeah. before his shot has he let's tends get into to that. botch that. Let's get into. Yeah, that. so, so I, I liked was, all these things. Um, and let's talk about Polisic because let's talk Polisic. Polisic was real it's good. Kind of a tough topic. Yeah. at times nowadays, he looked good uh, today. Today was encouraging. He took a little knock. We didn't get to see. I bet he could have had another few moments in this game had he stayed in it. I felt good about him today. I felt good about his icy cold finish. Um, how how did you feel? I, I felt in the last game versus Ecuador he was just okay, but today was more encouraging. Yeah, I get, I'm kind of compositing it with all the stuff I've seen at Dortmund lately, but he's just... Uh, he's he's his touch is just a tiny bit off for these situations where you need it to be really, really precise. He had another moment in this game where he, it was a, a really neat um, low cross from Baird that came in a little behind him and he, he uh, like rouletted to try to trap it. And he almost got there. And that you, I feel like you just have so many moments like this in the game where it's like, if he just, if he's a, a fraction earlier, uh, on two or three occasions per game, he's elite, you know? Yeah. And he, he's he's just, I think earlier on in his career, it was more forgivable, but now he's had the amount of game time where you're like, you're thinking that he'd be able to put that together. But on the other hand, you know, there are a lot of players, especially forward players who don't, for whom it doesn't click like that, you know, until 23, 24. Um, so I could see that happening as well. Uh, but I, I do fear that, you know, he's going to go to Chelsea. He's going to have a couple games like that and he's just not going to see the field very much after that. Yeah. Unfortunately there's, he doesn't have a lot of room for error. He has a spotlight on him. Not really. And it seems to me to be a psychological situation. Clearly when, when he's not thinking, when he feels free, 
um, when he's dribbling in safe areas and when he has to rip a shot without thinking about it, like his goal, he's really good. So he has a physical ability. He just has to figure out the psychological. And I don't envy the guy. He's He's got more attention on him than anyone could possibly really want. I mean, you think you want to be famous or whatever, but that, I mean... No, you don't want to To live famous. this dude's yeah, life sorry. is yeah. really difficult. And not only that, but to have to deal with the ego um, struggle that comes along with being a prospect. So he has a really high estimation of mm-hmm. himself. Um, right. And it can be a challenge to humble yourself in those situations and it can be a challenge to so he's trying to live up to the hype that he has for himself and the hype that the world has for him and this is psychological i i I recommend some affirmations (laughs) some sleepy time (laughs) affirmations for Polisic. i recommend that he uh really consider he looking at weston and tyler as players that are breathing down his neck and are actually at his level instead of seeing himself as the as the shining light for this team i think he he could benefit from seeing himself as one uh piece of a of a puzzle here but i don't know what it would take to change his psychology on that yeah i'm not sure how much he does uh it's it's kind of hard to say because he's he's prone to downplay his quality normally but you do sense that he he understood his role in the last cycle as coming in at 18 and being the best player and everyone knowing within about 15 minutes that he's the best player yeah um and that that's that's a crazy burden to put on a kid i mean there's not a lot of human beings could handle that kind of stress so uh so i i certainly don't blame him but it, you're right it, it it's going to take some some adjustment and some growth and you know it's crazy because we're talking about you know between even just by the next world cup he's going to be a 22 year old or 23 year old human being and that's just not that experienced of a human being you know to, to right. have to undergo a, a large degree of transformation in that period of time and you know this this job i think makes you grow up fast for sure but uh but i i do i do worry it it just makes me think about like how many players are there where if they just had the same body with a, you know, 30 through 40 year old head instead, it would go so much better. You know, I think we've, yeah. we've had a couple of those like uh Clint Mathis comes to mind uh, where you're just like, if you could just kind of rein it in a little bit and you, you know, wisen up. Yeah. I think uh, Bobby Wood is right in there too. Bobby Wood could be in there. Yeah. That, that guy has a lot going on between the years. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of self chatter. Yeah. There. So Pulisic, he, he came off injured. Miazga picked up a little knock, and Weston is out uh, this camp. Yeah, do we? Weston's is there anything out, to? Apparently. He's out, out as shit. Is there anything yeah. to read into with this? Is there, is there a problem potentially with the way uh, this the the teams like preparing for these games, or is that too far? I don't know. I mean, it's possible that those kinds of things happen. Uh, you can get into situations with staffs where they're they're not prepared, but you know the U.S. has never had a deficiency in that area. If anything, it's been a strength. So, um, yeah, I think it's just bad luck, and you know, there's nothing the training staff can do about Weston rolling his ankle. I don't know exactly what happened with Pulisic, um, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a preparation issue. Maybe it's a mindset thing, but it's most likely just just a coincidence and you know bad luck ahead of a a major tournament and crunch games at the end of the season 
Yep. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Berhalter can sweet talk his way uh, with those clubs and and paper this one over. Yeah. Uh, well, but, no, no need to cater to Dortmund anymore. So. Yeah. Fuck them. So you know, fuck Dortmund. Uh, no, we're forever gonna love Dortmund, but the U.S. the U.S. men's national team doesn't really have that much interest in you know keeping them happy. So. I, I think I thought it was the right decision, by the way, to start Pulisic, and it, it seems like a you know attempt to get him as many minutes as possible because he's he's going to likely be subbing uh, the majority of the rest of the season. So um, it makes sense to get him more more game time in a U.S. shirt ahead of the Gold Cup. So uh, what are we looking at for the next couple months here? What's uh, what what should listeners um, what teams should they be tuning in for? What leagues should they be looking at? And how long do we have to wait until we play again? Well, for for the next uh, month or two, it's going to be the close of the club season. So if you're interested in like American list competitions like the Champions League, there's going to be some games for that. Um, you know, you probably don't care about that. So there are games in like the championship in England, the second division, which which would feature some Americans. There's MLS, exciting MLS. So, you know, it's unlikely that you'd want to watch the, the late stages of the Champions League. But if you do, they are on. Um, you could put it like... If you put on an MLS game, you might like also just throw on the Champions League game on your phone. That's a sure, good way to yeah, just like yeah. keep track of it. Like, yeah, you want to keep uh, your eye on it. It's even this it's little rinky dink tournament they do in somewhere called yeah. Europe. Yeah. Um, Have, there's, yeah. There's there also, used to be Americans in it, but there aren't anymore, so it's not really worth it. It's not really worth it. There's also the uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, which features yeah, an yeah, MLS which, team which, uh, still. Has one MLS team left. Yeah, yeah. Great. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, the, the close of the club season is the, the main focus. The U twenty World Cup will be in May, so there is going to be some some uh, preparation for that, and then the tournament. I think will will start basically like upon the end of the club season, um, and then uh, during that uh, time slot, May early June, there's going to be uh, preparation for Gold Cup. So the U.S. is going to play friendlies. I haven't seen what the friendlies are. I don't think they're announced yet. I've heard some rumors, but nothing certain. Um, and then they'll go into Gold Cup. So they usually play either two or three friendlies ahead of Gold Cup, uh, and then they kind of just like segue that right into the group stage. Um, and we'll we'll do a full Gold Cup preview when the when the time comes. But um, the Gold Cup will be a uh, you know normal tournament style where you have a group stage of uh, four teams. I think there's 16 teams in it this time, um, and the then you have knockout. Uh, from there and it's played a- around the united states as it normally is which is a big problem but we'll talk about that in the preview yeah so, so i've just uh, done a little typey typey here and we do it looks like we have a friendly versus venezuela oh excellent okay, um, good that's uh six nine whatever month that is yeah so that'll happen um but yeah just just basically keep it keep it locked is and, that greenwich and- mean time I don't know. Yeah, six nine. Uh, that's like some. It's it's reference to a, a, an address of some kind in a rap yeah. song. Um, folks, uh, one last thing before I just want to loop back. That's what's to come. Stay tuned. I want to loop back into this game real quick for one last thing I forgot to hit, which was uh, um, the peanut butter and peanut butter sandwich. This oh, is something yeah. we've made fun of in the past but turned the tides uh, in this game and brought us back into it a little bit. Ty, what did you think of, of the PB&P P&P sandwich? <laughs> well, I think having two uh, you know, static defensive midfielders is, is a great way to kill a game, that's for sure. And we, we played that way a lot in the, the Jurgen Klinsmann era. 
We played every defensive midfielder we could find. <laughs> Throw some center backs <laughs> in there too. Um, the, the yeah, the arrow when Kyle Beckerman was like an important national team player, um, and you know, so that's that's certainly something we can have in our our arsenal. But I, I'm not super interested because that mostly kills games, and you know, I think we we should try to move on from that so for me if we want to play the peanut butter and peanut butter sandwich late in a game to to you know recover our shape and and get get our second wind or whatever uh i'd rather just have weston drop next to whoever's playing the six you know or have tyler drop next to whoever's playing the six and just just do it that way instead i i don't think i i still don't think will trap is is good enough to be like a regular national team player i think he's just he's just fine uh, I think he he benefits a lot from his relationship with Burhalter, which is you know that's real. But I think over time, if you invest in someone who's who's maybe more talented or or, or has more upside, uh, that could be more worthwhile. Yeah. yeah why aren't so, we giving Jonathan Gonzalez time? Oh, yeah, that's man, awkward. That, that would have been a great idea. <laughs> now the one the one maybe I could see um, you know raising up as like the next will trap would be Chris Durkin from uh, DC sure, United. Yeah. Who's the, he's going to be on the on the under twenty team, and I think he was in that camp this this time, um, and so I'd I'd love to see a little bit more of that uh, style of of you know growth where we're not I don't know it's it's just so weird to me that like all the apprentice minutes the up and comer minutes are going to a twenty five twenty six year old guy that seems wrong you know you, I I feel like it's like it's more efficient to jump from like Bradley to a, to a 19 year old than it is to jump from Bradley to trap. And then eventually to draw, jump from trap to a 19, uh, another 25 year old. Down yeah, the line. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's not like we're talking about like Deandre Yedlin is an outsized talent and should be playing, you know, that, so that makes a lot more sense to give him minutes right now than, than it does to give trap who is not clearly a, an asset to the team he's like yeah yeah he's like right. arguably good enough right but he's right. not I, like a clear asset and i think you know it's just so hard to say because we're not playing competitive games i, I don't think we're really going to know what burhalter's first choice 11 is until like the knockout round of the gold cup uh, yeah, it's a long way to wait yeah a, you know yeah, it's a long I, I way was, to wait and i we'll, was noticing we'll that i was noticing that too and he's he's he does not take the approach of that that we would of play of sort of focusing in on a on a first team uh, a future first team and giving them as many minutes as possible. Instead, he has a kind of broad strokes sort of spread the love approach where he's he's giving the captain's armband to anybody that wants it, and he's sort of like trying out all these different players, and he's spreading our talent across the age groups. And so there there is uh, it's it's worth mentioning that there's a method to that. You know he's. He's meeting, he's meeting, as in metering out all uh, possible minutes to in a, in a really broad and way, um, and that could be good potentially for team chemistry. It could be good for the dynamic uh, during the training camps. Um, there, there is something to be said for that, and it also allows somebody to surprise. Uh, so, someone like Daniel Lovitz, for instance, who I don't think is very good, but maybe he is. Um, and so that when you spread the love a little bit and you make sure that everyone who is peripherally potentially going to be involved feels that and knows that and can get, gets minutes for that, uh, that, that may pay out in some intangible ways, uh, that, that we don't yet see coming. Potentially. Yeah. I'm, I'm very concerned by his, uh, 
I think, bias towards MLS players and towards um, players who've gone through the college system, which we noted on a previous show that it's, a, it's probably not a selection criteria, but it is a hint at the kind of player he likes to, likes to bring in, you know? Um, but there, there are players like, I mean, it's, it's so hard to say because you, you don't know what contact has been made and, and all that, but there are players who are sort of like fringe Euro players who might potentially be useful and, and like guys like Kenny Seff, let's say, who, you know, he's, he didn't come through the U S system. He's kind of in MLS now, but he's not an MLS guy, uh, long-term where it seems like the, the preference is for the traditionally, you know, born and raised uh, Americans. Not, not, not to say that it's a, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, dual national bias or anything, but I, I think it's just a bias towards like conventional pathway players and maybe the net's not being cast wide enough for me. Um, but, and that, that, that concerns me because I feel like you can mold those players and you can get those players to get to, to join your system and that's great. But when the rubber meets the road and we're trying to get to the you know last eight of a World Cup, we just need every scrap of talent we can find, you know. And it's like it, if if this if this camp would have been a good opportunity to get, let's say Jordan Sibachu into the the U.S. fold, uh, and and you know give give it a try, even if it's a long shot at working out, um, I think that's just much more valuable than, you know, certainly giving Giassi's artist time, giving Corey Baird time, Paul Arioli even. I mean, I feel like you know what you're going to get from these guys by and large, and it's very rare that one of them really makes the leap without, um, you know, and becomes like that kind of World Cup winner type player that that we're looking to uncover. So I don't know. I, I have a lot of hesitations based on the the methodology of selection so far, but I, I am very happy with what's happening on the field. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to reserve judgment until we, we, you know, see more results and, and how things play out. Yeah. We'll see the real deal folks tune into that under 20 tournament. That's going to, Oh yeah. We're, we'll preview that as well. Smashing uh, experience. The U S will, I haven't checked the odds. I'm sure you can gamble on this, but I, I, I bet the U S is a top 10 contender. Uh, and 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 we should be because we're we're at the stage now where our best five players won't be able to play in it because they have club commitments. You know, our best maybe even ten players won't be able to play in it, uh, and that's a great sign. I mean, that's that's a sign that you're you're really like advancing in your stature in in the soccer world. Um, or we we might have some situations where like oh maybe someone will get released. Like I don't know. The, yeah, Adams is already confirmed to be with the seniors, but someone like that. Um, Waya maybe where they can come in only for a couple games, like like um, uh, in the the last U twenty tournament, um, Jaden Sancho came in and played the group stage for England and crushed, and then left, and then England won the tournament. <laughs> like that's where you want to be. Like Dortmund was like, okay, you can play three games. <laughs> You're like, we'll take it, and then we'll still go win the tournament. <laughs> so uh, I'm 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 very excited. I think we have. It's it's a tournament in which we can realistically expect the U.S. to play up to the level of you know really serious nations. During this camp, the U.S. drew two two with uh, with France, for instance, um, which is a great sign. And then beat Japan, so they they look strong. They do, just kind of walked through Concacaf qualifying, uh, and you're going to see a lot of really good talent that that could contribute to the senior team in the near future. So definitely get hyped for that. 
Do that, do that. Last thing about this game here is I enjoyed the moment in which the referee fouled Christian Roldan. That was Oh man, hilarious. I looked away from the TV for two seconds and missed it. What what happened? <laughs> he just it was a pretty routine play. Roldan's like trying to press and the ref is doing that backwards trot and just oh, like no. leveled him. Leveled him. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaned him out. <laughs> Did he blow sweet. the whistle on himself? No, no. The game continues. The ref Lame. is a the ref is a field is an on field obstacle. It's you know that them's the rules. If you run into the ref, you, it's like you a just water hazard, to... bro. <laughs> yeah. So it's like Roldan is just he's holding his arms out like what the fuck, bro. I like WTF, it. mate. Uh, I really like. Space heaters. You don't have to uh, contact your landlord in New York City if you don't want to. And in New York City, who wants to? It's a it's a mess, and you're gonna have to come up against that Hell quite no. often. So get yourself a little space heater and be prepared to pay extra on the electric. But enjoy that localized warmth. Uh, I also <laughs> I I also like uh, toys and trinkets uh, in markets. Uh, in foreign countries, I just went to Mexico City, and it's funny how you go to the you go you go up to a little street vendor, and you're looking at their toys and trinkets, and thinking, man, this guy's got some cool stuff. And then over the course of the trip, you get a sense for what are the uh, repeat offenders here. So there's like like a a, a Frida Kahlo kerchief is like on every vendor's Frida thing. Kerchief. Yeah, the Frida kerchief. My girlfriend was like, man, they really like Frida Kahlo here. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, no, they really Tourists. like Frida Kahlo in America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just know that we like Frida Kahlo. Yeah, exactly. They probably are cool with her. <laughs> um, and I also like water for this specific reason. Okay, everyone likes water, but I like the fact duh. that it... Duh. But it never goes bad. I'm sipping on water. I don't know when it's from. I don't know. It may have some dust mites. The Those Jurgen are the era. <laughs> but uh it tastes the same as all water it's it's delish it's refreshing and it and it cleanses my throat for the purposes of speaking and enjoying my day but i don't love any of that shit as much as i absolutely love the gnats join us next week for she the let's go, boys let's go gals let's go let's go actual under 20 children <laughs> men women and children go. all suit up let's go <laughs> go go power mutant ninja turtles six gloves <laughs> it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people